So where exactly can you hear Tobacco Road Sports Radio? Oh, uh, North Carolina, Kernersville, Salisbury, you know what I'm saying, Burlington. I, 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 I didn't bring you Raleigh, Greensboro, Charlotte. For the best in live sports debate, live sporting events, and more, tune in to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Austin, North Carolina. Archdale. Out of the hold of Mesco. Good snap, good hold. And the kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. The pitch. Swing a long one. We are going to game number seven. A game-winning home run. He steps into it. Passes. To the score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a Tuesday evening edition, or afternoon evening edition of the score here with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. And it's a fantastic day, an absolutely fantastic day to be a Carolina Panthers fan. Matt Rule, once and for all, Bear with me. I'm I'm pulling up the soundtrack here. <laughs> Bear with me. He's gone. Matt Rule is fired. Along with Phil Snow, his defensive coordinator. It just happened. That literally just happened. Literally just happened before we started recording. Breaking news on the score. And whoever the co-special teamer guy, anybody that's been associated with Matt Rule is now jobless. Get him out. It's cleaning day in Charlotte. Okay. That being said, Desmond, first of all, I heard someone say, I won't say who, but I heard someone say that there wasn't one specific reason that Matt Rule should be fired. Please give me and our fine listeners the multitudinous specific reasons as to why this was long overdue. Um, well, he sucks to start off with. No, I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was one in, uh, one in 27 in games where the opponent scored 17 points or more. Uh, let's just start right there. That That's insulting. Uh, pretty much every NFL team scores more than 17 points, so it meant that we rarely won games. Um, the dude was 11 and 27 and in, in thir- or what was it 11 and 26 or whatever it was over 37 games. So over the course of two plus seasons, we never really saw growth uh, in terms of wins and losses. And I saw people saying, "Well, you know, usually it's uh, the coach had an issue with a player, or there's some sort of scandal or something like that going on." I'm like, the number one reason why dude's getting fired is because he doesn't win football games that are winnable. Like, it'd be yep. different if, like, we were close and won some of them, lost some of them. We're close and losing all of them. And, like, to me, that was coaching from the very beginning. Like, 
coaches are what gets you over the hump. All the, the all the NFL is a 500 group of you know teams. They're all roughly 500. Some are going to be three four games better than that. Some are going to be three or four games lower than that. But everyone's pretty much in the same group of in terms of uh, competition. And for the Panthers to keep losing these games the way they were, we went into it. The Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on Friday. We went into it, myself, Jonathan Stewart, and Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated, thinking that this could be the game that's the nail in the coffin, depending on how it goes. And shout out to Skylar Callahan, because me and Stu, as dumb as it was, picked the Panthers to win that game, probably out of hope. But Skylar was the only rational one out of the three of us that was like, he thinks it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly fast. It might be the last Matt Rule game. 49ers going to score 30-something points. Panthers can't keep up. And literally, the game went exactly the way he predicted it would. Um and there was 70% 49er fans in the stands. That, to me, is what stood out the most. Uh, it was the same as uh, the two lowest parts of this franchise's history, 2001, uh, when we basically won week one and lost the remaining 15 games in a row, uh, set it up for us to get Julius Peppers in the draft. Uh, but George Seifert coached his last game into that season, and the same exact thing was going on. The stadium had been taken over by opposing fans. Seifert was fired the next day. Uh, 2010, John Fox, same situation. Team had bottomed out. Jimmy Clausen's playing quarterback. Uh, they go two and 14. They get Cam Newton for the effort. But last game of the year, I forgot who it was that came in here. They took over the stadium. It was basically 70%, whoever that opponent was. Fox was fired the very next day. Yesterday, 49er fans, they come in here, they take over the stadium. It's a, a dismal showing. And you see what happens the next day. So I've been on this fire mat rule bus for. Most of this season, most of last season, too, I got pulled off of it for a week this year. It lasted six days. I'm right back on it again. And I just I'm just so happy that I've got something to look forward to for the rest of the season. Do you know how hard it is to do two podcasts on these Panthers a week? (laughs) Like, it's just it's maddening because you're talking the same things over and over again that they're doing wrong. Hopefully this changes all that. Yeah, I mean, Josh, that's something that you and I talked about last week was it feels like we're doing this same dance every single week and the fan base is sick of it. They showed it by not showing up. So the question I posed to you, Josh, and I was sitting in the, uh, in traffic trying to get out of Charlotte motor speedway as our state highway patrol does what they do best, which is completely screw up any and all traffic flow at a sporting event, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I was sitting there listening to, to the broadcast and, um, I think if it wasn't for that pick six right there before the half, might be a different ball game. But I pose you this. Was that pick six the nail in the coffin? For you know, Matt that's a good that's a good question. Um, because before that pick six, Baker Mayfield and the Carolina offense were starting to pick up momentum. Yep. They were starting to generate drives and plays uh, that could have either uh, you know, put them in the red zone to get in the end zone or another Eddie Pinero field goal. Um, so that's a really good question. I think it was because of where and when it happened. Uh, it was right at the end of the sec- of the second quarter going into halftime. The Panthers needed that offensive drive to have some kind of hope in keeping with Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday afternoon. Um, but because it resulted in a pick six, and then I believe it also uh, resulted in Baker Mayfield getting injured I did. Uh, because he was he was in a walking boot during after his press conference after the game. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to butt in. I'm going to butt in right there. He's. Uh, I got word about an hour ago, Des. I'm sure you heard the same thing. He's out at least a couple of weeks. High ankle sprain. Yes, that's la- uh, last I heard. Uh, officially, he's got a sprained ankle. Uh, he'll be out for a couple of weeks. So uh, that's the last I've heard of it so far. As it stands right now, PJ Walker would be the starter on Sunday because Sam Darnold uh, is eligible to come off injured reserve, but has yet to come off because he's still a couple of weeks away himself. And Matt Corral will be injured for the rest of the season, as it was documented in preseason. So good thing yeah. we kept PJ Walker, uh, the Panthers. Good thing they kept them or him, because yeah. uh, now <laughs> he's going to be the starting quarterback for at least the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, this is uh, this was coming. I agree with Desmond. This this uh, firing was on the horizon. Uh, things were not looking up for this team uh, coming into the season, or at least over the last couple of weeks. I, I, I thought um, Rule was going to get fired after the Cardinals game last Sunday. Uh, didn't happen. David Tepper has been patient, and his patience finally ran out. The fan base is the most uh, disappointing thing, in my opinion, as well, from all this. Uh, Desmond mentioned 70% of the stadium was, was full of red and not Carolina blue. And that really just makes me feel terrible for this franchise that the fan base is dwindling away and something needed to happen. Something did happen this afternoon as we are recording this on, uh, on Monday afternoon. And uh, Matt rule uh, wish you nothing but the best uh, wherever he ends up. But um, this move needed to happen and it happened. You know, actually uh, David Tepper did Matt rule a favor by firing him when he did. Uh, because now he can actually be in the running for some of these college football jobs that are out there like Nebraska or Arizona State. Um, and Panther Wisconsin. Fans, Wisconsin. Panther fans, don't worry, because the way that contract was set up, basically, uh, there's about $40 million left on it, but the Panthers are off the hook when uh, he takes another job. When he takes another job, it absorbs whatever amount was still left on it. So we're not on the hook for the full 40, and letting him go this early allows him to, to go to Nebraska who's flush with Big Ten money right now or someplace else where um, we're basically on the hook for this year. We'll pay for this year, which is like $9 million or something like that. Uh, And then if he lands at one of these big jobs or whatever, which he probably will because he is a good college coach. Yes. He's not a good pro coach. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Nick Saban wasn't a good pro coach either. But he's the greatest coach of all time. Steve Spurrier. Bobby Petrino. Not everybody's Jimmy Johnson, you know, like not everybody right. can come from the college ranks and, and do this. And thank you. Thankfully, Matt, uh, David Tepper didn't wait. Uh, I've saw people like, well, we should wait till the bye week to do it. And this now I'm like, the bye week is week 13. <laughs> like, why are we waiting that long? <laughs> We've been like, way too long. It's going to go like, I don't want to see this another nine times and then decide, well, you know, I've finally seen enough. And uh, those are saying that, well, this isn't showing patience on Tepper's part. I think this showed infinite patience on Tepper. It did, did. On last year. Totally agree. You know, so fresh start. I'm happy. I'm excited. Will, Will, I'll I'll pose this to you. Um, And I know you and Josh were going back and forth about this. Uh, This is a score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio with our Panther panel as we get the plosive letters in there with Will Higdon, Josh Scott, and Desmond Johnson, who's the fine producer of this show and the host of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Uh, Will, I know you and Josh were going back and forth about this in uh, in our show group chat, which, by the way, is, is fantastic, and there's a lot of good stuff that happens in there. Um, just for the rest, some some stuff will remain in the group. What stays in the group? What goes out in the group chat? Stays in the group chat. But um, from the, the fan base perspective, I know you and Josh were, were kind of teaming up on this. Um have you found it difficult 
as loyal as you are as a fan to continue begrudgingly watching this every single week? And does not only Matt Rule, that's question one. Question two, does not only Matt Rule going, but everyone associated with him going, is that a message to the rest of the team that we know he lost a locker room? We know that there was a large disconnect. So now everyone involved with him is gone. Like Matt Rule is, the, the allure of Matt Rule is being bleached. Oh, yeah. I think... Yeah, it's as everyone said, it's, it was time for this to happen. And what this really shows to me is this. They're showing that, okay, we've had enough of this college experiment. It's time to clean house and get guys that are actual NFL guys and get them in here and get this team, get this team back on track. And it's time to start building the right way. And to get, to get back to your first question. Yeah, it does. It definitely tests your patience as a fan, especially when you see, like these other teams, like the Buffalo Bills, for example. They have Sean McDermott, who was a former Panthers DC. They have Brandon Bean, who was in the Panthers front office for a while. They're doing it right, and their their team is dominating right now. And, it, and you just see those other teams and with these former players, these former Panthers, as soon as they get out from Carolina, they seem to really break out. Uh, one, one player that comes to mind is James Bradbury. The Panthers let him go. He, he's a solid cornerback. He's playing well in New York. Another guy is Rasul Douglas. He got out and started playing well, too. Yeah, I Thanks think, for him, yeah. by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> appreciate yeah, you, that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> cool. But uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was time to happen. It was just time to happen. And one more stat line that I want to throw in there. I know Des mentioned the 11 and 27. Keep in mind that Matt Rule was also 0 for in close games where the Panthers had a chance to either tie or take the lead in the fourth quarter. He was 0 for in all of those games. Not to mention all the the quarterback carousel that he's been on for the past three years. Here, So here's the thing, because uh, people were trying to justify why they should fire him now and that kind of thing. Matt Rule's fingerprints were over the entire franchise. He may not have been the the general manager, but for all intents and purposes, the general manager worked for Matt Rule. Um, right. You know, Even, he was in the trade room. He's the one that's saying, "Let's get that guy. Let's get this guy. Let's let's sign Teddy Bridgewater. Let's let's bring in these Temple guys. Let's bring in these Baylor guys. Let's bring in Phil Snow, who's who's my guy from college. Let's do all these things." And then and then for people to say, "Well, the players have to execute and all these other things." the guy that brought those players in was Matt rule. So at right. some point the buck has to stop with the guy that's bringing the stuff in. Yep. And again, just, I'm just happy to David Tepper didn't want to wait any longer. So there's still 12 games left. And like my partner, Jonathan Stewart keeps mentioning it to me all weekend. Even with everything that's been said, the Panthers are only one game out of first place in the NFC South. That's so unbelievable. It's nuts. nuts. So it's like, okay, fine, cool. They got 12 games left. Brand new season. We kind of messed up the beginning of the season because we had four of the first five games at home, and we could have built a cushion against the teams we played. But after the next two weeks, they've got the Rams and they've got Tampa on the road. It, the, the schedule kind of lightens back up again a little bit with some conference stuff, the Saints, the Falcons a couple times. Uh, there's some games that can be won here. So, I mean, for those that think that they're going to split the Panthers up and it's a fire sale, McCaffrey's out there, Moore's out there. Like I know Jay Glazer put out just a couple minutes ago, the teams are calling – about players on the Panthers. Just because teams are calling, it does not mean that these these players are up for sale. Like, for starters, McCaffrey and DJ Moore just signed extensions. Moore's extension just signed this past offseason. They got a four-year extension. Yeah, and McCaffrey's extension just kicked in this year. If you don't know anything about cap 
or the salary cap or how this works, then you probably shouldn't be on Twitter talking about they should trade for this guy and trade for that guy because they can't. It would cost them more money to trade McCaffrey than it would be to keep him. And if they were going to do that, then why wouldn't you just keep rule the whole year and just basically tank the year, do the fire sale after the fact, and get draft collateral for it? But that's not what they're doing. They're trying to win now. That's why they fired rule now. They're trying to do it right now. And Steve Wilkes is a, leg- a legacy candidate. He was under Ron Rivera. He knows his team. This team respects him. A lot of the guys that are on this team that were there before Rule know who Steve Wilkes is. And Steve Wilkes got a bad rap in Arizona. He got there for one year. He got a top 10 quarterback in Josh Rosen out of the draft. And then the owner dumped him for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Like after 12 months, he didn't get a chance to build anything. Steve right. Wilkes is actually my guy that I want to see become the, the the permanent head coach, depending on how this this works out going forward. And Will, you alluded so, to this before we started recording that I mean Steve Steve Wilkes is a defensive coach. Now that Phil Snow has been fired, he's got that defensive experience to where he can lead this team from the head coaching position and the defensive I mean defensive assistant or coordinator position as well. So, uh, but that, that that'll help us a lot. Yes. Yeah, he's he's a guy that can bring that defensive edge. He has a schematic advantage when it comes to the defense in the NFL. And just to um, add to what Des was saying about trading players. I, d- I doubt they'll trade any players during the season, but in the off season, I do think they will trade some players. Uh, one, a few names to that I think might be traded are Robbie Anderson. He's, 2023 is the last year of his contract, and also Shaq Thompson. 2023 is the last year of his contract as well, and he's due for a big cap hit. I could see them trade, and those players get second and third round picks because they need all the draft capital they can be right now. All those picks that they got, like like Terrence Marshall Jr., people are asking why he's not playing. It's pretty clear at this point that he was a Joe Brady pick. Like they got him, that Joe Brady wanted him. He coached him at LSU. They brought him in there. He played a little bit rookie year, and he kind of disappeared by the end of the year. Didn't really play at all last year, and he can hardly get – he got on the field Sunday, but that's the first time we've seen him all year. Trade him. He's young. He's like 23, uh, built as a typical NFL wide receiver. You can get a third or something for him at this point. I could see them maybe trading him off midseason, but – uh, yeah, all the rule guys, all the Baylor guys, Temple guys, uh, dudes that he's been plugging in, just trying to get by like it's a college program or whatever. I expect all of that to be cleared out. All of it. They're Just get out of here. <laughs> like, we don't yeah. want any of that, that stench left in the building. Go away. Uh, I'm excited because the pieces are there. I'm tired of people saying mm-hmm. the Panthers don't have talent. They've had talent. They've been drafting well for three years. Yeah, uh, just – to add to what you're saying, we have young core pieces on, in the skill positions on defense. We have J.C. Horn. We have Brian Burns. We have uh, Frankie Louvu really starting to emerge. Brown. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Even, even on the offense, our offensive line has gotten much better. Ikim Mekwanu was the highest-graded tackle on PFF this past Sunday. Our, they, it's drafted, they drafted well. Like, Scott Fitterer's job should be secure. Like Scott Fitterer should be in charge of helping figure out the next head coach. Yes, right. Oh, okay. No question about that. I agree. New GM, because that's what happened when they brought Scott Fitterer in. But I, I love Scott Fitterer and what he's doing. It's just the coach had to, and Rule had to go. <laughs> he had to go. Yeah. We had to do it out of here. So all so, Fitterer needs to do is just get a good, competent head coach and get a quarterback of the future, and we'll be set. And that's that's what Des was saying before we went on. Was that this that feel like this franchise is just a a coach and a quarterback away, and apparently, obviously, Baker Mayfield's not going to be that guy. At least, not, not he's not yet. The no, <laughs> he's not the one that's going to take him there. I don't believe. Now he could be a game manager in the right situation. I, I do believe that still. Uh, but 
is Baker more than what he's shown the past four years? I mean, do you guys feel like he can develop into a, a, a top tier Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes type of guy? That's no, that's that, so. talent wise. It's, it's, it's not there. Yeah. That's that horse has left the barn as they say. So well, while we got a couple minutes left here in the segment, let's turn the page uh, to Steve Wilkes. First of all, Josh, he's an app state guy. So obviously yes. right choice, right Charlotte choice, to, obviously right choice right to hire choice. permanently. Charlatan, Charlotte native, that's, you know, plus number two. From a culture standpoint, there obviously needs to be a shift in culture when you have Matt Rule and everyone associated with him being bleached out of the building. What does this say, and how can this advance culture-wise? I guess the question is, is there a chance, and this to all three of you, that Steve Wilkes can work some magic here, build a culture, because he's obviously the best choice to do that. Can he rebuild a culture and re-energize and revitalize this roster and get them to the playoffs this get year? To, get them to the playoffs? I don't know. They're 1-4. and four. They've already dug a pretty deep hole. They have a pretty hard schedule, even still yeah. remaining. I mean, I mean they'll, they'll be competitive, but... yeah. It's not impossible, but it's 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 getting more and more less likely. They got to start winning games. <laughs> but I think the advantage for that Steve Wilkes has, I mean, Brett, you've alluded to it. He's a North Carolina native. He's he also has been on this team before, so he knows right. this Panthers team. And uh, they know he's him. on, and they know right. him. You're exactly right, Desmond. So I think you know Steve Wilkes having that NFL coaching experience with the Cardinals, even though it was for a year, it is experience, uh, and him knowing this franchise. Uh, I think will benefit him and at least helping, you know, make this team a competitive team than it, than a much more competitive team than it has been the last five games. Um, but other than I, I but a, you know, a playoff team, that might be a stretch. It's, it's early on to say, but uh, right now it may be too early to say for that. I will say this. Uh, there's not really, I know the Eagles are five and one. Oh, and the NFC East is killing it right now, but I don't know how many people truly trust that's going to last all the way until January. The NFC is not like a, a conference where it's like they're just completely out of the running like right now. I mean, if the Panthers got hot and won three or four games, they're right in the thick of things again. They can um, make the playoffs at like eight and nine or even yeah. seven and ten. Yeah, even with the, with the extra seventh spot now. I mean, they could, in theory, I guess. I guess it depends right. on how the team reacts to Steve Wilkes, and it, it really depends on what happens with Ben McAdoo because uh, I haven't seen anything go, go out that says McAdoo's out as well. As we're recording this, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to keep McAdoo, but I would think that Wilkes is going to go to McAdoo and be like, look, man, this is the Carolina Panthers. We've been here for 27 years. No matter who the head coach has been, from Don Capers to George Seifert, John Fox, Ron Rivera, it's always been the same. That Our formula has been we are a run-first, defensive-minded, smart, tough-nosed football team that tries to not turn the ball over and wait for you to make mistakes. That's how we've won. When we have won, that's how we've made it to two Super Bowls. I don't know what the hell just happened over the past three years because they had abandoned that completely, but that's what we're going to get back to. The very first thing I expect to see is our defense get nastier in terms of mm. they were already good, but they were little, like small, like small, quick guys. I don't expect to see Brian Burns dropping back in coverage 75% of the time like they had him doing for some and reason. And Des, Des, you touched on this before we started the segment. Steve Wilkes is not fond of the mid-sized SUV linebackers. 
He wants right. Chevy Tahoe linebackers out there. Well, I mean, he want, like a guy like Frankie Louvu, everybody wants a Frankie Louvu. Like uh, Frankie Louvu is the epitome of who you want on your football team in terms of the, the grit and just the giddy up and everything else. So he's he's fine. But like um, stuff like Marcus, Mar- Marquez Haynes and these other guys they have at linebacker right now, they become a product of Phil Snow's system. I expect that to change. It'll be Shaq and somebody else, probably Frankie. Maybe uh, Brandon Smith and get him active. Maybe. They'll go to some sort of nickel and they'll the, lean on their secondary and they'll let their guys go eat. Like the, the defense will be fine. I think Wilkes is going to affect the offense by making them run the ball more because they yeah. are not running the football, which is the dumbest thing. And it's probably the one reason why Rule <laughs> got fired. You got Christian McCaffrey. You had him in bubble tape all preseason so he wouldn't get hurt. You get to the regular season and you're running them eight times a game. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, like you deserve to be fired. Like you've got a top They've- five kid in his prime and you don't want to give him the rock. And they've barely they brought in Deontay Foreman as well, and they've barely given him the ball too. Yeah, two carries yesterday. You know, one was for an obvious uh, fourth and one where they were like, "Hey, if we just line up real quick and run fast, we'll get the, the one yard we need." Let's hand it to Deontay and go. And they were they were over they were over complicating simple things. So I think Wilkes will come in and simplify stuff and just make it entertaining. You know, make it fun to watch again. The fans will come back. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you guys have said, I think, is spot on. Got to get in the break here. Going to preview NHL opening night after this. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Welcome back to the school with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. It's NHL opening night. The bad news about the NHL being back on ESPN is that we have to hear Sean McDonough's incorrigible hockey voice again this season. Um, I'm almost assured that he'll be on Tampa Bay in New York tonight from Madison's Round Garden. Sorry, Madison Square Garden. Uh, that was an ode to Bugs Bunny, in case anyone has any idea what I'm talking about. Um, the rematch of the Eastern Conference Final. That'll be fun. Uh, and then the, that's at 7.30 tonight for your viewing pleasure. And then Vegas and the Los Angeles Kings at 10. But it really, really gets started, Christian, uh, tomorrow night. Got Boston and Washington at 7 on TNT, and then the nightcap on TNT. Uh, the Avalanche hosting the Blackhawks, and the Avalanche will raise uh, their 2022 Stanley Cup championship banner. But for our purposes on Wednesday night, it's the Carolina Hurricanes who have somewhat of a new look to them, and the Columbus Blue Jackets who very much have a new look to them. In case you have been living under a rock or have not been paying attention, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets came out of nowhere to sign uh, a guy by the name of Johnny Goudreau, uh, nicknamed Johnny Hockey. Um, And the Carolina Hurricanes went out and acquired one of the league's top defensemen by, by the name of Brent Burns. So 
not only is this um, a big matchup in terms of, you know, whether or not these two teams can be contenders in the Eastern Conference or just in their own division alone, this is a matchup of two teams that made two of the bigger moves of the offseason. Yeah, they they definitely both made big splashes. The uh, Johnny Goudreau kind of came out of nowhere. Of course, I could say the same thing on Brent Burns, but I'm I of this the surprise of all surprises this offseason was Johnny Goudreau going to we we said it a few months ago the small one of the if not the smallest market in the league. Right. So I'm just kind of sitting here. I I still don't understand the reasoning behind it, but Columbus got a great player, and then as for Brent Burns, I they they're rich get richer on the defensive side of the puck. I, that's all I can really say. I mean, I mean, you just just think about the core you're adding him to with 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 Slavin with Brady Shea. I mean, this is lethal yeah and you have let's see it'll be on the top line with jacob slavin brett assuming brett pesci comes back which oh, i don't see why, he, why um him with brady shea and then ethan then they have i think three or four guys competing for the third d pairing and after the preseason that that unit had or they all had i don't know who uh, they're all going to. I don't know how it's going to go. Someone's going to be disappointed. They signed Calvin DeHaan to a one-year deal. They signed. Um, they got Dylan Coglin in the trade for Max Bacioretti, which Paul Stastny. Paul Stastny, but and then. Um, so I don't know. It's it's just going to be a. It's going to be an interesting uh, next few days for. Uh, or not next few days. It's going to be an interesting start to see if the if Rod Brindamore decides to keep the same D pairing throughout the entire season, or if they're going to kind of plug each people in. Or I, it's it's going to be interesting to see that third D pairing. That's really like I said, you have three to four guys who can fit who are who were competing with for two spots during training camp, all whom impressed. I mean, these are these are not only two teams that have elite forwards on, on both sides of the ledger here with with Andre Svechikov and Sebastian Ajo going up against uh, Johnny Goudreau. Remember that uh, Patrick Laine uh, is still there uh, in Columbus. But um, this is a matchup of two teams that have elite defensive pairings uh, on both sides of the ledger here because you've got the Hurricanes guys we just mentioned uh, and then Columbus, you've got Zach Wierenski, you've got uh, Adam Boquist, you've got a ton of talent on that side, uh, on the on, on the blue line, on the back line as well. Um, and of course, in goal, Jonas Corposalo uh, for Columbus, and then uh, um, the guy that pretty much saved goaltending in Carolina, and uh, Freddie Anderson. But that that aside. Um, you and I have talked about this just in general conversation um, over the course of the summer leading up to uh, this week, this opening week in the NHL, of the the impact that a guy like Brent Burns can make 
I, I, I'll pose this to you. Not that the culture wasn't already great inside that locker room. What does a guy like Brent Burns bring culture-wise, philosophy-wise, attitude-wise, energy-wise to a locker room, especially coming from a team like San Jose that, much like Carolina, has been in the playoff hunt in the conference finals a couple of times in the past three or four years? I think the main thing he's going to bring is just that he's going to bring uh, – what's the word I want to use? He's going to bring, obviously, leadership. I mean, it's not, like they're, not that they're lacking with veterans like Jordan Stahl, Paul Stastny, and a few others, but leadership. And then he's going to bring a sense of wanting to be there. And I was listening to a um, Kane's podcast where uh, play-by-play Mike Maniscalco and uh, Shea Willis, the color – not the color, the um, – sideline inside the glass, if you will, um, uh, reporter. And he said that Brent Burns, within 24 hours of learning of the trade, went out and bought an RV and drove cross-country to to uh, Raleigh, which... If, if That's you, fantastic. If you've seen Brent Burns, you, you know why that makes sense for him. Um, he looks like a guy that would just go out and randomly buy an RV. That makes... That fits. Yeah, and then he... I mean... He, the guy owns a ranch somewhere in Texas too, so it's. I mean, he again, it fits. It's run on character exactly, um, and then he's going to bring that the experience of playing. I think this is his seventeenth. No, not seventeenth. He's been in the league for a long time. Um, he's a veteran. Let's we'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah, veteran. <laughs> um. He's going to provide. He's going to be able to provide input on what's doing on the power play, and if you know, if you remember the Hurricanes, they got blasted by the Rangers because of a lack of power, of power play success. And quite frankly, the last month and a half um, before the playoffs last year, they struggled on that. So he he has a lot of different dimensions that they can use to. Uh, they can draw from whether it's, whether it's experience, leadership, scoring ability, um, and a lot of other things that this team wasn't necessarily lacking, but things that they can definitely use. And I think that's one reason they went out and got him was they knew they were going to lose Tony D'Angelo to to free agency, and behold, he went to Philadelphia with Torts Tortorella, which I still don't get also fits. I still don't get how that combo is going to work, but it's not going to. But that's that's a different story for a different time. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what he what he did. The first he had a few um he had a few uh, what's the word he had a few the amount of he played great during the preseason. I'll I'll say that he did, and you know, it, is that not why? you go out and get a guy like Brent Burns is is to improve that work on the power play. Every great power play needs a point guy. Every great power play needs a, a quarterback. But it's, it's not just that. A lot of the moves for Carolina this offseason, Christian, have they not been to improve on the power play? Yeah, they definitely have. I mean, the two biggest moves they made were on um, the opening day of free agency. Well, 
pretty much the only day of free agency since that's pretty much yeah <laughs> um where to go get max patchy of course he tore here he heard his leg he's they're they're hopeful he'll be back in time for the stadium series um in mid-february but time will tell which it would be fitting for him to go to vegas come to carolina get hurt and then re-emerge in probably the most interesting game that the canes have on the schedule since they're the other games are just kind of a slow grind to the playoffs but um and then brent burns you i was he like i said he's gonna bring a ton of things that the canes were lacking and as far as the power play goes, they're going to bring him, they brought him in to um, kind of be that, the like you said, the point guard, but also he can be that um, Alex Ovechkin type where he can launch a bomb from the faceoff dot. He can launch it from just inside the blue line. And I would not, if I was a defenseman, I would not want to try to block that shot. No, I, I wouldn't either. That's, that's just one of those, that's one of those rare, and dangerous shots that not a single person on the planet wants to get in front of. Colton Pareko, I think, is is one that comes to mind, but Brent Burns certainly as well. Uh, Zidane Chara, who just retired, also had a pretty darn good one. Um, also on Wednesday night, we've got Maple Leafs Canadians. That opens the Canadian slate of the NHL this season. Seattle and Anaheim and Vancouver and Edmonton uh, Wednesday night at 10 o'clock. Everybody else really gets underway uh, later on. Nashville and Dallas going on uh, Thursday night. Florida and the Islanders, Ottawa and Buffalo. Let's talk about Ottawa for a second because this is an interesting team. Um, when you look at the moves that they made, bringing in Claude Giroux, nice veteran presence for a very young team, but uh, a team that's got some of the best young talent in, in all the league, really, if not just in the Eastern Conference with Tim Stuzla and Brady Kachuk. They've got their core there, um, and then you're able to, to bring in a guy like Claude Giroux and go out and trade for a guy uh, like Alex Dabrinkit, uh from the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, this is this is an intriguing roster. Yeah, I think they're in, uh, well, specifically in the Atlantic division, they're right they're probably the most improved team. Um, they're not the team that you could look at a schedule or teams can look at this schedule and say, oh, well, we're going to get those. We're going to get these two points. They've improved significantly. I mean, going to go at the, if not the prize and cause Giroux of free agency. You could probably put Giroux and uh, 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 Goudreau. Wow, I didn't realize that some of the names are trying to say them at once. Anyway, um, probably put those two together. It's one A, one B in terms of free agency prizes, but um, they're uh, they improved on every level. Like you said, they got Debrinket, they went out and got Giroux, they went out and added a couple other young pieces that really helped them, and they're going to. Uh, I can see them competing for a playoff spot at, in in a division that has the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's going to be, I, I think Tampa Bay, not Tampa Bay. Um, Ottawa can be a team that can uh, compete for a playoff spot, if not clinch one. I think it'll be close for them, but we'll see which way it goes. Uh, one of the more intriguing matchups, and I agree with you, everything you said on Ottawa right there, I think we're, 
think we're pretty much on the same page right there. But uh, another intriguing matchup here this opening week, Thursday night, um, is that Florida Islanders game uh, from UBS Arena, uh, the new-ish home of the New York Islanders. Uh, you've got the Florida team that went out and uh, broke the bank, so to speak, to get Matthew Kachuk from Calgary. Uh, they get him for Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger and a bunch of draft picks, and they sign him to this massive extension. Um, and then you look at uh, the New York Islanders, essentially Christian, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, you've got the team that spent some uh, the, one of the highest amounts of money, if not the most money, against the team that we all thought was going to get Johnny Goudreau, that had the most money to spend of pretty much anybody in the entire league in free agency, and they've only spent it on mainly on extending Matthew Barzal, and that's been basically it. I mean, this is... Is this not a con it's a contrast in styles in terms of teams that either uh, broke out the checkbook and or you know went tight on the budget? Yeah, Florida they 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 are in a window now where they're going to try to compete for a cup or at least to make the cup finals. What what happens that remains to be seen. Um, and then I I kind of like to do the. Uh, I just I thought about this recently, but the flat the the, the uh, Islanders are the team of theoretical contracts. Um, right, they were, supposed, they were gonna get, or they thought. I'm I'm, I'm convinced Lou Lou Amarello or whatever their general manager's name is thought he was gonna get Johnny Goudreau regardless. I think he assumed that Johnny Goudreau was gonna be a New York Islander long yeah. before. I mean. I think whatever offers they made Johnny Goudreau, uh, Lula Mello just uh, assumed that whatever other offers came his way, he was going to turn them down and come to the Islanders. But I don't even, again, no one saw Columbus coming, but that's that's neither here nor there. The the fact that all these big name guys that were tied to the Islanders, am I wrong in this? Is, is Is it a culture thing within the organization that no one wants to go there? Um, I think it mainly has to do with uh, just from what I've seen during his time as the general manager, the um, or general manager owner, whatever he was for the New Jersey Devils. I, I can't remember the the Devils signing a quote unquote high profile free agent um, in recent memory under Lou or Lou whatever his name is. Lou, Lou Lamello. Let's call him Lou Lamarello. However, you, okay. Anyway, I, I can't remember New Jersey. I can't remember uh, New Jersey really signing a high-profile free agent under him, and the Islanders are struggling to do that. And I don't. I think it's more on him, just because maybe he has a bad reputation around the league. And I mean, I don't want to speculate or anything, but he might be the reason that the Islanders missed out on. Johnny Goudreau, other than the fact that I think Goudreau wanted to go to a smaller market just to avoid the attention. Um, right, and that's something you and I discussed at length right after it happened was the amount of media attention he got in Calgary 
uh, was was enough for him, really. He didn't want to deal with that anymore, and he went to probably the smallest market in the league, if not the smallest market in the league. So, look, I hear people saying that this has to do, where the Islanders sit right now has to do with the culture of the organization. I feel like it's more of a culture of Lou Lamello than it is anything yeah. else, that, that he just has this wrap around the NHL that, you know, from from his dealings in New Jersey, that there's a narrative around him. It's nothing to do with the Islanders specifically. It's him. And the one big thing that I will I will turn to is Barry Trotz getting fired. Nothing last year was Barry Trotz's fault. No. They played, what, 16, their first 16 games of the season on the road, uh, because of the arena thing, um, they had a rash, a rash of injuries to basically everyone on the roster that was of any semblance of importance was hurt for them last year. So this is a game uh, on, on opening night that for the Islanders can be a statement game if they can beat this Florida team that won a President's Trophy last year and just went out and, and got Matthew Kachuk. So this is there's opportunity here for for uh, the New York Islanders to make a, a pretty darn good statement. Speaking of uh, Calgary, uh, Jonathan Huberto will make his debut in a Calgary Flames uniform against the defending Stanley Cup champions on Thursday night. So... Uh, that's going to be an intriguing one as well. And, of course, uh, uh, one of the higher draft picks uh, will take the ice for the Seattle Kraken uh, for the first time on Tuesday night and then again on Thursday night against the Los Angeles Kings. That'll do it for us here on The Score with Brett Wiseman. For Christian Emery, Josh Scott, Will Higdon, our producer Desmond Johnson. We will see you on Friday.